You're listening to Mindful Moments with Coach Sean, a safe space for women of the BIPOC community to cultivate community by sharing and discussing their life experiences and collaborating ways to overcome obstacles. I'm your host, Coach Sean. Let's get into today's episode. Hey ladies, welcome back to another episode of Mindful Moments with Coach Sean. I just want to take some time out and say thank you to my listeners. We're at 54 streams and we have listeners in the U.S. and in the U.S. Virgin Islands. So I want to celebrate that. That's really big for me. Um, I just want to say thank you all for listening. We're at 54 or 56 streams altogether with all of the episodes we have. And so I'm trying to double and triple that. And I know to some people, like if there are other podcasters that are listening to my podcast, that may seem like a small number. But to me, that's really big. And I feel like it's worth celebrating because um, a few episodes ago, like towards the beginning of my um, podcast, I talked about procrastination and how doing this podcast was like the number one thing I procrastinated on. And so I'm just, you know, proud of myself for finally going through, following through with one of my goals and then just seeing where I started to where I am now. So I'm grateful for you, 56 listeners and all of my listeners here in in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Thank you guys so much. Share, share, share the podcast. You know, tell your sisters, tell your mothers, your aunties, your cousins, you know, your sister-in-laws, your wives. Tell everybody. Okay, we want to get the word out there. I'm trying to double and triple my numbers, guys. I want to do big things with my podcast. But thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Today, I want to chat with you all about letting go of past traumas. Now, I know this is a kind of heavy thing. I know letting go of things that have happened to us is very hard to do. But when I wrote the script for this episode, I was going through a lot of dark moments. Um, I forgot where I came from and like, I forgot to look at the growth, (laughs) excuse me. I wasn't looking at how much I've grown and you know, how I've overcome a lot of things that helped me back in the past. I didn't look at that. I was just looking at how I felt like I was stuck and okay, how am I going to get through these things that I'm going through in this current time? So I said, you know what, let me get on this podcast and talk about letting go of past traumas because holding on to those things can be what's really stopping us from being our best selves. Before we get into the nitty gritty of things, I want to state that when I did the research on this topic, I found that 12.27% of African-American women have PTSD. Do you guys know like how big that is? Like it may seem like a small amount, but that is a lot of African-American women who are struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder. And it's sad because a lot of times the, the reason for having this disorder is because of our environment the things that we go through in our environment or the things that we're still going through in our environment. It's too much for us to handle. It's too much for us to process. And so the only way sometimes that we think the best way to do it is to shut down and just stay to ourselves. But at the end of the day, that's not the best way to get over things. That's not 
that's not healthy. We shouldn't keep things bottled inside. We should have some type of way to have a release and express how we feel. And we should have a safe space. We should have a, a safe space, like a safe area in our home where we want to go, you know, write about it or talk to ourselves or pray about it. We can go to do that. Or if we have someone out in the community, if we're experiencing something in a home or somewhere out in the community, if we have a safe space in the community, someone we could go talk to, um, get resources from. These are the things that we need to keep us whole. So let's identify a few common traumas that black women experience. So the first one I want to talk about is sexual assault. So I wanted to say sexual assault first because this is a pretty big one that I know when I was doing research, I saw this a lot. It popped up as traumas that African-American women experience, sexual assault. I saw that a lot, no matter you know what platform I was searching on. Um, and so I feel like the sexual assault piece comes from a lot of times in the home from someone that we trust or like a friend that is from the outside but comes into the home. I haven't experienced sexual assault from anyone in my family or anyone in general. So, um, but just as a trigger warning, okay, I want you guys to know that this may be triggering. Let me backtrack. This may be triggering for some people if you're experiencing this or if you have experienced it. Um, so a lot of times, you know, it's in the black community, once you're in cool with someone in the family, they bring you around and then like, you're cool with everyone. And eventually you can become family. So we can have uncles, aunts, cousins that are not even really, you know, our blood relatives, but because they've been in the family for so long, we want to say, Hey, you part of the family. You're cool. We love you. You're the cousin, you're the auntie, you're the uncle now. So a lot of the times the sexual assault comes from that person that's on the outside and brought in and it happens. And sometimes it can happen and the child that it's happening to may not say anything or they may say something, but because it's a child, it may not be taken seriously or say if you're a teen and you've been promiscuous because you're a promiscuous child at that time. It may not be taken serious. It'll be taken as, oh, you, you know, you set yourself up for it. Um, or it could actually be a blood relative where this is someone that you're actually related to and they take advantage of the child, um, the innocence, you know, well, I can do this to this child and no one's going to believe that it's happening. Or if it comes out and they believe it, it'll be brushed under the rug. Nothing big is going to happen. Because I've seen in a lot of African-American households where it's like what happens in the family stays in the family. And so when sexual assault happens, it's like that's so big and it's so like disgraceful, but they don't want it to get out because they don't want the family to be disgraced or looked down upon or talked about in church or talked about in the community. So it's like, let's just keep this to yourself. Let's keep this to ourselves and let's just try to heal as a family. So as that is happening, the person that the assault is happening to is not able to get the help that they need to overcome. They're not able to escape this person because this is still my auntie or this is still my uncle, this is still my cousin, and they're still family no matter what. So you still have to see this person. You're still around this person. And it's kind of like a slap in the face because it's like, yes, I did this to you. I took your innocence and I'm still in your face and you still have to see me. So haha, I win type situation. And in some families, 
I do see where they take it very seriously. It doesn't matter who you are. If you violate someone in the family, you have to go. Like We're reporting you to the authorities. And so it's handled that way. But that still doesn't mean that the child or the person that the sexual assault happened to, it still doesn't mean that they're going to get over it just because the person is out of the picture. And how I've seen the trauma of sexual assault affect a lot of black women is that they go out and they live a very promiscuous lifestyle. And they just have sex with a bunch of different people just because they feel that this is what they want to do with their body or like this is the feeling that they're used to having or they're looking for that feeling. Um, And so they go out and they do unsafe things with their body and expose themselves to um, harmful things like STDs and STIs. Um, or even just putting yourself in a position to be sexual assaulted again or continuously. I've also seen it affect black women where they accept abuse, where they feel like because this has happened to them as a child, they grow up and they have no self-esteem, they have no self-worth. So they go and they get with a partner or a spouse that doesn't treat them with the respect and love that they that they deserve and they're mistreated and they're unhappy. And so they feel like, well, because this happened to me when I was a child and nobody listened to me, maybe, you know, no one's ever going to listen to me. So maybe the way that my significant others treating me, maybe this is really how I'm supposed to be treated. Like they don't know what the real love is. They don't know how to accept it. Um, So they can also push people away who are trying to show them genuine, true love because they've been wronged or violated in their younger years when they get older. And if they experience true love, someone who really tries to come into their life and treat them the correct way and respect their thoughts and respect their bodies, they may not perceive that as the person being real or being nice. They may look at it as, you know, you're being weird or you're trying to hurt me and they may push that person away. Another common trauma that black women experience is discrimination at work or in the community. Now, I know discrimination at work. This is something that I have experienced too many times. And at one point, I looked at it as being normal. But then I had to reflect on, no, it's not normal. Like I should, it should not be um, (laughs) a double standard because of the color of my skin. I worked at a few jobs where... Um, if I was told to do something, if I had a question about it, or if, you know, if I had feelings on like why I shouldn't be the one to do it, it would be looked at as me being insubordinate or me just being loud and just, you know, always having something to say. But then, you know, a person with fair skin can say it. A Caucasian person can say the same things that I'm saying and it can be perceived as, oh, they just have questions or, oh, they just have concerns. And then maybe even so, because them speaking up saying like, well, I don't want to do this or I shouldn't have to do this. They won't be made, you know, they don't, they won't have to do it. Um, and I don't feel that that's fair because what is the difference between me voicing my opinions and them, them voicing their opinions? There is no difference. It shouldn't matter about the color of my skin. The color of my skin shouldn't make it seem like it's harsh or I'm being disrespectful. And I feel like that's sad that that's actually a real thing. Like people look at, you know, oh, you're black. So, you know, oh, you're just the angry black girl. Always have something to say about it. But little Miss, let's say Becky, for example, little Miss Becky can say something. It's like, oh, my God, that Becky, she's so inquisitive. Like that, that really... 
used to get under my skin when I was a teenager. And I did have to realize that a lot of times it wasn't what I said, but it was how I said it. But then I noticed that as I got older, once I checked my delivery, it still was an issue with me saying things to certain people. Now, sometimes I could say stuff to people and it's like, okay, you're right. You know, um, you know, if you don't feel that this is something that you should be held accountable for, you know, let's look at it. Let's see what's going on. And they actually heard me out and they actually got where I was coming from. But then there were still those situations where it was like, no, I don't care. I asked you to do it and you need to do it now or I, you can clock out and go home. And what did I do? I clocked out and went home. <laughs> and so I just felt like, you know, I thought it, I thought I was going to have a hard time overcoming that growing up, but then I just had to like kind of learn to go with it. And I think that that's not fair to us either, that a lot of times when we're discriminated against in the workplace, we have to kind of learn to go with it or find somewhere else to work. And so when I experience things, I don't like to like just say, oh, well, this isn't going right, so I'm going to quit and go somewhere else. Because you're going to get the same crap, but just a different toilet. <laughs> That's how I like to, to put it. It's going to be the same situation going on, just in a different location. So until you address it, until you make it right, until you let it be known, hey, this is what's happening. This is what I'm noticing. And I want you to know that I see it. And if I don't see a change, I'm going to talk to who I need to talk to to make sure that a change happens. Because what you're doing is not okay. You have to take that stance and you have to let it be known that you see what's happening, you realize what's happening, and I'm bringing it to your attention that I know what's happening and I want you to know and understand that I see what's going on. And if you don't correct it, I'm going to talk to someone over you and they're going to correct it. And guess what? And if they don't correct it, I'm going to go over them and I'm going to keep going until someone makes it right. And nine times out of 10, that will get um, put some fuel under some tails and that will get some things changed around. So that way it'll be fairness all around and not just, you know, certain races being treated a certain way. Now, you do have some people and they're like, I don't care who you tell, like, you know, they don't see anything wrong with what they do. And those people really need help. I feel like we have come a long way from where we used to be with discrimination against black women or black people in general in the workplace. But it's still happening. This episode was sponsored by Sean Renee Consulting. Are you a black woman that struggles to find the beauty in yourself and the things around you? Do you struggle to create goals and follow through with them to better your life and better the situations that you're in? If this speaks to you, please head to www.SeanReneeConsulting.com and check out our coaching programs. Take a look at what we have to offer and see which one best fits you and sign up for a free consultation. The third common trauma that Black women experience that I want to touch on is loss of loved ones. I feel like there's always been like this big thing where African-American men are perceived as a threat. Like no matter how gentle they are, just because you're black, you are a threat. Um, and I feel like a lot of times that leaves, well, I'm not going to say I feel like, I'm going to say I know that this like black women or the black community experiencing this really puts a big damper on the mental health 
of the black community, especially the black women, because they are killing. Well, they, you know, there's the thing with them killing our black men um, just because they feel threatened, just because you raised your voice. You're a black man. You raise your voice. You're a threat. You're a black man. You have an opinion. You're a threat. You look at me sideways. You're a threat. And I feel like it's not fair, like, because you're black and you're a man, like, no matter what you do, you're a threat. And this affects the women the most because you're taking away our husbands, the father of our children, our fathers, you know, our uncles, our cousins, like, you're taking away our loved ones. Um, And that leaves us feeling empty. That leaves us feeling like, you know, we have to pick up the pieces and carry on. That leaves our children with voids. Um, And this is not just about police killing black men. This is about black men killing black men also. That negatively affects black women in the black community. Because to be real, the black on black crime, that's, that's big too. And that's more common. And I feel like the like all of it needs to come to a stop. Like it's just too much. And so... This is leaving black women to feel like we have to do all of these things. We have to we have to look at look after the black men in our lives. We have to make sure they're protected, make sure they're safe. If we're raising black boys, we have to raise them to, you know, act a certain way, you know. If you're if you ever encounter these type of people, you know, just behave this way. If you ever encounter the police, behave this way, you know, answer their questions, you know, keep your hands visible. Don't make any sudden movements. And I feel like it's not fair for us to have to live our lives on pins and needles or to teach them to kind of live their lives on pins and needles because they never know like when they could just run into the wrong person or run into the wrong police officer that's just having a a, a messed up day. And you just feel like, you know, any little thing you do, I'm a, you know, you're going to be arrested or you could possibly be shot. And so these are a lot of things that, um, that, that affect, um, African-American women when it comes to losing loss, losing a loved one, <laughs> excuse me, guys, I think I caught a little cold from work. <laughs> so you got to excuse me. Like, um, when I cough and things like that, it's all good in the hood. I'm still, I'm still kicking, you know, I'm good. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I do have that going on. Um, I know for me, I have a black son and um his father's life was taken, um, black on black crime. It wasn't a police officer, it was another black male that took his life. And when that happened, that left me feeling very um empty. I kind of felt like, well dang, like you're a black man and you let yourself get this upset to where you took the life of another black man. No regard to how this would affect the community, how this would affect his children, how this would affect his family. And it was over like complete nonsense. I don't want to get into what happened, but it was just for me, it was just complete nonsense. It was just something where, all right, you know, this is what's happening we're going to walk away. You going we going to be good. Like just, you know, don't cross my path type situation. I felt like to take another man's life, another black man's life, like that is just you know, I just it's just so hard. And I felt really bad for my son because I'm like he was becoming a teen and like, you know, you always need your father. Like all your life you need your father, but I feel like for 
black boys, when they reach that preteen and that teen stage, those are the crucial years where they need their father. They need support from a male. And while I have my brother and I have uncles and I have my father still alive, it's still like there's no love like your own parents love. Like nobody's going to kick it to you like your parents will. And then it's like some things is like it's cool to talk to other people about, but you want to talk to your parent about. And so I felt like when that man took my son's father's life, he in a sense of a way kind of took, I don't want to say took my son's life, but he like he took a piece of my son and it's like, and, and he had, he has, um, four other children, no, three other, sorry. Yeah. Four other children as well. So it's not just about my child. It's about all of the children. Um, and it's like, no, like no disregard as to how this would affect anything. And I do understand that there's some people in the world and they really do not care about how their actions affect anyone. They don't care if you're black. They don't care if you're white. They don't care if you're young. They don't care if you're old. <laughs> if you disrespect them, you have to get handled, you know? And I feel like as black people, we have to do better with that. It's like people that's living that life, like we have to do better with that. We have to think about like how our actions are affecting our community. Like how if I do this one stupid thing because I'm upset, how is this going to trickle down? Because you're going to get caught. You're going to go to jail. And then if you have children, that's going to affect the life of your children because you're going to be gone forever or for a long time, if not forever. That's going to affect your children's life. That's going to affect your parents, your family, your siblings. Like, it was just no thought as to how this is going to affect anybody. But now that we've identified three common traumas that black women experience, Let's identify some ways to let go of the trauma because that's that's the whole purpose of this episode, right? Letting go of past traumas. All right, so for number one, I want to say that it is perfectly fine to get a therapist or a life coach. I know it hurts me to my heart in 2023 to still see black families say they don't hear black families say they don't believe in therapy and whatever we got going on in our family we can handle it by talking to each other I want you guys to know if you come from a family that is saying that <laughs> in 2003 I want you guys to know that it is perfectly okay to seek therapy you can have therapy and God do not let anyone make you think that you can't be a Christian and pray to God and then still have a therapist you can have a therapist and God because guess what? I had a therapist and God. I was in therapy for a whole year and a half. And, you know, I set a lot of goals with my therapist and I met them. And I'm not going to say it was an easy process. It was a very hard process. There were nights when I cried. There were nights when things were revealed to me that I didn't even know bothered me. And I just was like... Like, God, what am I getting myself into? Like, it felt like I was opening up more trauma to heal certain traumas. And sometimes that's what happens in therapy. You expose you expose new wounds um, when you're trying to close old wounds. 
And that's part of the healing process because a lot of times we don't think that how we don't understand or we don't think that one situation can trickle down to other situations or it can influence how other things play out. So I want you guys to know that having a therapist is completely okay. And if you don't want to go the therapist route, having a life coach is also great. You can also set goals and talk about trauma, healing from trauma with the life coach as well. So if you feel that you need someone to talk to, it is okay to seek someone to talk to other than auntie, sister, cousin, best friends, grandma, because they can give you they can give you um advice, but it's going to be biased advice because like they're your friend or they're your family member. Very often we have family members and friends that are going to keep it really, really, really real with us. Um, so that's why I'm a big fan of therapy. <laughs> I have a therapist well I had a therapist and then I also um, got my son a therapist because there's some things that I know that he doesn't want to talk to me about um, and so yeah I'm a big fan of therapy whenever you know if someone comes to me and say hey I have this going on what advice can you give me if it's not something I can help them with I tell them listen you can get you a therapist I can help you find one or um, if it's not, you know, someone I'm really close with or someone I'm related to, I'll say, or, you know, I can help you find a life coach if you don't want to find a therapist or I can help you get through this. You know, we can create a program. Um, so just make sure that you have an outside source that you can reach out to that will give you like honest truth advice and really help you heal those wounds will heal those traumas. Another thing that works is meditation. You can find you a quiet space in your house or if you need to go out into the community like a yoga studio, you can incorporate yoga and meditation into your um, weekly or monthly self-care routine. And you can go, um, you can write things down or you could just sit and quietly, you know, think about things to process things, what's been happening for that month or what's been happening for that week, however often you want to do it. Um... And it really just gives you the chance to reflect on what's happening and you get to dissect what's happening and digest what's happening. Um, And then if it's still too much for you after that, then I would say, you know, move on to the therapy or life coach route. But I do know meditation works. Meditation and yoga worked for me um, during COVID. I was overwhelmed a lot. Um, I think I talked about that on the last episode. And I started doing yoga and meditation. And so that cleared up a lot of my negative mental um, space that I had going on. That gave me a lot of clarity for to have clear thoughts and understand what's happening. Um, and that helped me get through a lot of things. Something else that I also do is journaling. Now, journaling is something that I don't keep up with often because I don't really like to write too much, but you can also do an audio journal if you don't want to talk. So when I was in therapy, my therapist told me, she said, what I want you to start doing is keeping a journal. (laughs) And I looked at her and I said, girl, I don't like to write like that. So she said, well, it doesn't have to be written. You can do an audio. You can record yourself. Or you can just do um you can do a video recording or a voice recording. She said, I want you to record, you know, how you felt before the session, what you learned during the session, and how you feel after the session. Um, 
And so I did that. And that really helped a lot when I needed to go back and look at what I learned. I would go back to the date that we had the the session and I would, you know, listen to what I said I learned. And then I would, okay, well, this is what I learned. This is how I learned how to process this situation. So, all right, let's do this. Instead of freaking out, instead of getting stressed out, we're going to go ahead and implement these steps we put in place to help me process what's going on. Um, and journaling will get it out of your head. You know, a lot of us, we keep things in our head and that creates a lot of brain fog. We don't have room for a lot of things. We become overwhelmed and agitated because we have so many thoughts. But if you journal, whether it be you writing it or you recording yourself um, with a video recorder or you're doing a voice recorder just so you can get those thoughts out. And, you know, talk about how you feel in that current moment and then talk about the things that you want to do to get through it or things you feel that you can do to get through it. And go back and listen to it. Whenever you start to feel that way again, you know, go back to that date when you you did that recording and listen to the things that you said you would do if that situation arrived again. And then implement those steps that you put in place with your journaling. All right. Next, we have acknowledging the event. A lot of times we can't overcome things because we're not acknowledging that it happened. One of the first things that we shall always do when healing from traumas is acknowledge that it happened. Because if you're in denial that it happened, you're not going to overcome it. Because And then the work that you're doing is going to be redundant. It's going to be for nothing. Because you're always going to be like, well, it happened, but it didn't happen. So, I mean, I feel it internally, but mentally I want to block it out. So I'm just going to say it didn't happen. But no, because the minute that something happens that reminds you of that situation, you're going to be triggered. And the goal for letting go of past traumas is so that you won't be triggered from things that remind you of that situation that caused that trauma. So we have to acknowledge what happened. And then we need to start a healthy routine. We need to start looking at how we're handling things, how we're handling situations. Um, how we're handling people. What situations are we putting ourselves in? Are we putting ourselves in situations for the trauma to keep happening? Because if so, you need to reevaluate what you're doing and how you're doing it. So that way you won't keep putting yourself in certain situations that could potentially cause things to happen. I don't ever want to say that everything that happens to you is your fault. That's not true. Everything that happens to you is not your fault. But sometimes things that we experience if we sit and think things all the way through, we could avoid experiencing a lot of things that could cause us traumas in our life. So I know for me, I don't like to make fast decisions. I like to sit and think about it. Okay, have I been through a situation like this before? Where's the situating leading me? You know, um, is this going to remind me of anything that I've been through? Because if it is, you know, I don't want to get that deep into it because I don't want it potentially expose myself to experiencing a trauma again. Um, so we just want to take time to think things all the way through before we act out or before we make decisions. And then lastly, we need to accept support. It's always good to accept support. If you're going through something, you don't have to accept it at that moment. Um, but if the support is there for you, I feel like eventually it is a good idea to accept it. 
that'll give you someone to talk to, that'll give you a way to create a tribe, a way to create a safe space. Um, if someone is trying to support you with getting over a trauma, if it's something that they've experienced and they have good steps that they have went through to get over a trauma, if this is something that you can incorporate in your life, if this is something that you feel that you can do, I feel like talking to someone who has overcome one of the traumas that you're trying to overcome, that could be a good thing to help you get over that trauma. And also just allowing people to take some stress off your plate so that you can have more time to heal from your traumas. You know, delegate some tasks to people. If you have some laundry that needs to be folded, but you're like too overwhelmed and, you know, you just need to go and meditate or go and journal and you have a friend that says, hey girl, you want me to come over and fold your laundry for you? I know you're having a hard time. I know this has been a rough week. You know, I know you've been going through some things. Can I come over and wash your dishes? Can I come over and fold your laundry? Can I come over and wash the kids? Anything. If someone is willing to help you, as long as it's, a, you know, a safe person, you know, and they're not going to cause any new traumas in your life, I say accept the support. If you are in a space where you have some traumas that you're trying to overcome, I really want you to consider trying one of the things that I suggested. If you need help with anything, you can reach out to me. Um, my email address is seanreneconsulting at gmail.com or info at seanreneconsulting.com. And this is not even about me trying to get you to sign up for a program. This honestly is about me wanting my black women to be good and be whole. I really want to have a conversation with you. So if you feel that, you know, you want to talk to me and you want to talk a little more in depth about letting go of past traumas and how to do that. I am available and I'm willing to talk to you. So email email me at info at seanreneconsulting.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Mindful Moments with Coach Sean. Do us a favor and leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. Also, head to www.SeanReneeConsulting.com and download your free episode worksheet. Until next time, I'll see you guys later. Peace.